0: Being a poor person sucks. That might be the most relatable thing ever, but it still sucks. I remember growing up in what I considered to be a middle class working family in the late 80s and early 90s, and there's just so many details that I missed in regards to things like money, or how my parents obtained money, and how they applied it to what I as a kid enjoyed every day. Stuff like electricity, heat, air conditioning, water, plumbing, appliances. I never thought about how I got school supplies or new clothes or computer games. I just never saw how every time we had an appliance break my dad would stay up all night fixing it. It was kind of a non-issue. I straight up just didn't see it, didn't hear it, didn't think about it. I definitely took it for granted, and now I kind of wish that I hadn't. Maybe if I hadn't, I would have been more prepared for the frustrating life that I was about to start living. See, my family was low income. And it definitely got better over time because my dad busted his ass every single day and every single night to kind of claw out a better place for us in the world and a better life for us. And I just never thought about how that affected him mentally, physically, or even emotionally. You know, dads are invincible, right? If you if you go back and listen to my Unteachers episode from this season, me and Steven talk about how hard it is to be a dad when your own cup is empty, but you still have to fill everybody else's cups and I guess my dad did a really good job of that because I never even thought about it he, he did a good job of making it seem like it wasn't an issue like he was invincible and nothing was ever going to get him down he just wasn't super emotional and if he was emotional I just didn't see it or he just wasn't emotional around me however as a kid I was super emotional in the first episode of this podcast I said that I always felt like my emotions were bigger than I was like there was no way for me to properly express them without going to some ridiculous extreme the kind of uncomfortable extremes that i've been talking about throughout this whole season really that kind of uncomfortable anger and i think a lot of the time guys like me and maybe like you listen to extreme music because despite the very real emotions of anger fear abandonment depression sadness We mainly listen to that music because it sounds good to us. We recognize it, right? And sometimes we can even relate to it. But there are some feelings in some situations that are so personal and so potentially close to home that no matter what, when we hear it in an audio medium, it can make us super uncomfortable. And it might even make us physically upset. And that's kind of where I'm at with this EP and I Return to Nothingness by Lorna Shore. And I'm going to talk about a lot of things that might seem a little bit unrelated to that. But trust me, it'll all make sense in the end. Another interesting thing about music is how it can kind of breeze by you without you even noticing it for what it actually is. Sometimes life circumstances and music have to really line up before they hit. When I talk about living a frustrating life, I'm not just being dramatic. It took me a very long time to figure out how to manage money. Despite getting my start in the workplace as a bank employee, there was so much more to managing finances and the daily grind than I was prepared for. Stupid things that an adult should know, I didn't know. Things like realizing the importance of keeping your job in relation to keeping your place to live. And keeping your utilities turned on. That was an uphill battle over years that I swear I'm lucky to still be alive fighting. If not for my wife loving and believing in me, there is no way I would still be here. However, eventually I did start to understand things. Four to five years of trial and error after getting married and then finally figuring it out. It was almost too late in a way. I'd already dug myself one hell of a hole that I had to climb out of. In my early 20s, I had credit card debt, student loan debt, very low hourly wages, and lost jobs. And here's something that you may not know about how utility bills work. See, if you pay your bill every month, it's usually pretty reasonable. You pay and your stuff stays turned on and it's all good. However, if you fall behind in your payments, maybe there's a grace period and you can pay a late fee and it's all good still. However, super low-income people don't live like that. What eventually happens is you get one to two months behind because you may have lost your job and just straight up didn't have the money to pay that. So they start sending you letters in the mail threatening to shut you off. And anyone who's low-income knows exactly what I'm talking about when I start talking about disconnect fees. The disconnect fee is that minimum amount of money that you can pay in order to prevent getting disconnected. And this will be important later, I promise. Despite making a budget and knowing exactly how much money I had to pay every month to stay afloat, I didn't make enough money to pay all of those bills. I kind of just had to to pick sometimes what bills I was going to pay and sort of take advantage of those grace periods in order to kind of keep it all together, keep it all working smoothly. So I knew how much money I needed, but the amount of money that I needed was, was never equal to the amount of money I actually had. So what eventually ends up happening with this is that you will fall behind. You will continue to fall behind. And before you know it, the bills you pay every month is just that minimum disconnection fee to keep from getting those utilities turned off. And for over 10 years, I just straight up lived that way. Sometimes I couldn't even meet the disconnect amount and a utility would sometimes get turned off for a day or two. So the only way that I was able to survive during that period of time was to sell things. Over that time period, I sold half of my CD collection, all of my childhood video game collection, my movies, my books, my DVDs, just the things that I enjoyed, the fun things, but things that weren't necessarily necessities. I used to fashion myself a collector right i'm a i'm a collector of cds a collector of vinyl records a collector of video games i wanted to collect everything at one time i was actually collector of vhs tapes dvds comic books video game magazines laser discs i had a, a really weird ragtag amount of collections going on at the same time and this is all whenever i was like a kid teenager right so i, I didn't really think about how that was going to affect me later on in life that, that one day I would have to make the hard choice of parting with those collections whenever your utilities are in danger of being shut off and you're married and you're living on your own all of that stuff starts to devalue in your mind and you start realizing that maybe you shouldn't be collecting stuff. Maybe you shouldn't be building this vast hoard because yeah, you can have a lot of stuff, but eventually that's going to have to go somewhere, right? And if you don't have a house for your stuff to go in, what what value is it? So I sold a lot of stuff in order to pay those bills, to make those hard choices, and I cried about it because that's that's a thing that I that's a thing that I do. So anything that I had that had resell value, I would sell in order to stay afloat. If I lost a job during this time period, it was devastating. If the car broke down, it would be devastating. When it was time to renew the plates and you knew the car wasn't going to pass inspection, it was time to sell a bunch of stuff and hope you could afford to pay not only for the expensive repairs, but also be able to pay for the inspection itself. And pay for the plates. I remember one time the plates were expired and I was driving to an auto shop to get repairs done and I got a ticket for expired plates. Then once the repairs and inspections were completed I got pulled over again the same day on my way to the DMV to get new tags because I had expired plates and the police were not sympathetic because believe me when I tell you that being low income is absolutely treated as a crime. You have to make a certain amount of money to even comply with the law. Anytime things were starting to get better, something else would just happen and throw me instantly back into that lifestyle. And I became a survivor through that. Having enough forethought to thrift collectible items in order to hold on to them and then sell later in case of an emergency. And this type of scrappy living resulted in a lot of mental health issues, obviously. There were times where I felt like I just couldn't keep up with it because like you'd run out of stuff to sell. There were so many moments during that 10-year period of my history that I just didn't know what I was going to do. Like that go to sleep at night not knowing what's going to happen or how you're going to make it through to the next day. There was a time period where my day-to-day was just going to work, blocking dozens and dozens of collection calls. And just hoping to God that a utility wouldn't get shut off while I was away from the house. Because then I would have to leave work and go sell a bunch of stuff that I may or may not have actually had or wanted to part with. And it was just a perpetual state of fear. I felt like total trash. Like I had zero value in the eyes of the law. Zero value to myself. Zero value to other people. Try to explain to somebody how you're dirt poor, but you're still overweight. That's always a fun conversation. And even though nobody ever treated me badly for being lower income, I mean, except for the police and the utility companies and the mortgage company and all of that, but they just wanted their money. Like, I kind of get it because there's definitely times where I just want my money too, for obvious reasons. Nobody made me feel bad. Nobody guilt tripped me about it because it was embarrassing It was embarrassing to talk about. It's embarrassing to be talking about it on this episode, but I do tend to use these episodes sometimes as personal therapy sessions. So I'm going to go ahead and just be real with you guys. Things were not easy. They were really, really difficult. But because I had such low self-esteem and low self-value, I felt like nothing. I felt like I lived in a state of perpetual nothingness. The only reason I kept going was because I had a wife and kids who cared about me and believed in me. And over the years, that lifestyle chipped away at me so much that my mental health suffered. My emotional health just died. My physical health had suffered quite a bit. And um, there was just nothing I could do about it. And I kind of sat around waiting for things to get better. But they just didn't get better on their own because that's not how it works. Now, to add a little bit of a silver lining to that situation, obviously things did start to get better. The more you work, the more you try, if you, if you make the right choices, and I'll be honest with you guys, a lot of it's just luck. Money started to be there again, and things started getting to where they were on the level again, so to speak. However, I still had this massive hole that I had dug over the years, and I had to claw my way out of that hole. And so I still lived in perpetual fear that I was gonna return to that state of nothingness at the drop of a hat. And to be honest, I still kinda have that fear and you'll find out why here in a minute. Whenever I heard the EP and I Return to Nothingness by Lorna Shore, I was in a totally different spot in life. Things were a lot better. I had a wonderful house with four beautiful children and the world's most hardworking and supportive wife. I don't deserve any of that, for sure. I didn't jump on the Lorna Shore hype train right away. I didn't really even pay attention to the band much at all, beyond an initial listen and thinking, oh hey, this is pretty cool, and sort of moving on with things. At that time, I had gone through a massive period of change and self-awareness. I had lost 60 pounds by eating right and being able to afford good food, that's a big one. I had decided to walk away from a successful metal podcast that I'd been putting my everything into for five years. I'd started a new show that hopefully you're enjoying listening to right now. I quit drinking. Like I said in the Norma Jean episode, I had just gotten promoted at work and was finally making more money than I'd ever made in my life. My budget was great. Every month I'd been paying a little bit extra on each of my utility bills in order to eventually claw completely out of that hole that I dug. Things weren't perfect yet, but they were trending in that direction. I got so used to that good feeling that I started to relax a little bit and really take it all in, try to enjoy it. So an EP like And I Returned to Nothingness was cool only in the sense of, wow, these are great riffs and these are great breakdowns. And it really is. I hadn't been paying much attention to deathcore at that time. It's not my favorite genre of heavy music by any stretch, so I typically stick to my mix of death metal, black metal, and metalcore. However, what attracted me to Lorna Shore was their focus on adding orchestral as well as black metal elements to their deathcore sound. They didn't do that kind of stuff in their earlier material. They had more of a metalcore sound, and then they kind of transitioned into what they are now, which is more of a black and deathcore band. What's interesting about Lorna Shore is at first, I thought they were just some new band. But what we have with Lorna Shore is a band who has spent nearly a decade trying to break through so many obstacles that stood in their way, including tons of member changes. At one point, all the original members were gone. The band has had three vocalists in their career, which is really a hard thing to recover from. As a guy who's been in a few bands growing up, I can totally feel a kinship with that, where things seem like they're trending upwards, only to be completely derailed at the drop of a hat. One small thing and everything just falls apart. However, they persevered and they came back in a very big way, which is what I was working on around the same time. Once I had really started giving this EP spins in my regular rotation, I found their method of songwriting very interesting. Despite the extremity of the music itself, the band has taken the normal deathcore song structure of play as many different riffs as possible in whatever order sounds cool and then, you know, play some breakdowns and replaced it with more of a straightforward, almost like rock song structure with defined choruses and verses and then kind of sprinkling the breakdowns in at the perfect moment to create real spectacle. And I think this is why people sometimes call them a pop deathcore band, despite the absence of traditional like clean singing and catchy choruses. I don't know if the choruses aren't catchy. I mean, the whole whole, Ezreal, carry me beyond the veil part of To the Hellfire is actually one of the catchiest things I've ever heard. And I find myself humming that to myself all the time. For only being three songs, this EP gives you a hefty, almost 18 minutes of nonstop slaughter with some of the most outrageous vocals I've ever heard. Maybe they weren't the first band to do vocals like this, but the combination of Will Ramos's over-the-top delivery and the band's skill and level of energy makes this a really above-average release, in my opinion. I don't find myself humming Deathcore songs very often, so this was pretty unique. The symphonic elements present in these songs gives a huge gravitas to the flow of the song, And the absence of those elements works really well during some world-annihilating breakdown. It creates a really satisfying texture and contrast to each song. And obviously the best song on the EP is To The Hellfire. I mean, 11 million YouTube views don't lie. I know my timing on talking about this EP is a bit delayed since the band has already released a full-length follow-up to this EP. And uh, it's incredible. I'll probably talk about that in like season 7 or something. But these songs were a necessary soundtrack to my very recent history. And this is how the first part of the episode and the second part tie together. At this particular point in my personal history, I'm on the rise. After a series of false starts, much like Lorna Shore, there's always that ever-present fear that something is going to derail it. So I remember I was at work, and this this story that I'm about to tell happened about three or four weeks ago. This is very recent, I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone doing it, so bear with me. So I remember I was at work during a 10 hour shift on a Wednesday morning. Everything's going great, the job's going great, the podcast is going great, everything's seemingly fine, until it isn't. My wife calls me to tell me that her and the kids are about to leave the house for the day, which is pretty normal for a Wednesday. But before they can leave, the water company is sitting outside of the house. So, you know, instant panic. She said they needed a pretty hefty sum of money up front or else they would have to shut us off. Now, it's been a long time since we've been in that particular situation, so my wife knew exactly what to do. She filled up multiple jugs of water in the house before they turned it off and told them to just do what they needed to do and I'm sitting there at work completely helpless. Because, you know, there were times in the past where we had run into situations like that. But it was back when our kids were like babies. You know what I mean? They, they were so young that they wouldn't have any type of real understanding of what was happening. But here, now, in the future, they, they can see what's happening here. And, and the way that they interpreted that just makes my skin crawl whenever I think about it. And I'm sitting there at work feeling completely helpless because I can't control the situation. Obviously, there must have been some kind of mistake because I had my bills all set to auto pay a set amount of money each month that I specified. I set up auto pay specifically for a situation where I might have forgotten to pay a bill or something. So confused, I pull up my bank balance to find out that I'm sitting there with $100 in my account. And there should have been much more than that. I panicked. I froze up. So it turns out that a few days before that, due to a clerical error, my mortgage company, who I also had set up with AutoPay, had taken an entire mortgage payment out of my account three weeks too early. Then the shrieking horror builds up even more when I realized this happened a few days prior and I hadn't noticed it. It means that not only did the water bill not get paid, but likely none of my other bills had gotten paid either. I was panicking hard because it might sound kind of extreme to think that because one payment was a day late that they would just come out and shut you off but remember I had had years of bad payment history with some of these companies and they smelled blood in the water and they moved in quickly I called the mortgage company in a rage demanding they return my money but they seemed to have no record of what happened and told me that it would be several weeks before they could investigate and potentially return my money I didn't have weeks. I was in full-blown panic mode. So what did I do? I did what I always did. I went home, boxed up all my video game consoles, boxed up my physical games, took them all to a local game store, and I just sold all of it. And I was actually worried that that wasn't going to be enough money, so I boxed up all of my CDs and was about to take them to a local CD store and do the same thing, but For whatever reason, I just couldn't physically bring myself to do it. I was too upset. So I got the money. I drove over to the water company, paid the bill, and they came back an hour later and turned my water back on. Crisis averted, right? I kind of just didn't deal with it because, like, that was kind of a, you know, I I had started kind of buying buying enjoyable things, you know, niceties again, once everything started getting better. And to just turn around and have to sell all of it like that, It took an emotional toll on me that I just wasn't willing to deal with because it was just too much. It was too much in one day. So I just didn't deal with it. Um, I just couldn't deal with the implications of going for so long on the high road and then having to resort to this again. It was just more than I could take. So I just chose not to deal with it and just went back to work the next day like nothing happened. And I'm thinking that I'm finally at the level to where I'm able to deal with this and not let this bother me and not let this get to me. But man, sometimes life just likes throwing a lot of stuff at you fast because my wife called again to let me know that the family van was not working and that it wouldn't start. I put the phone down and sat there staring at the wall trying to figure out what I had done wrong in this. How could all of this progress that I made become undone so quickly? I got a better job, I lost the weight, I dropped the alcohol, I was on a budget, I was careful, I was shrewd, I had fundamentally changed nearly every aspect of myself to keep something like this from happening. And You know what I realized? Sometimes it doesn't matter what you do. Sometimes shit just fucking sucks. So before we go into the outro proper, there's a couple of things that I just want to clarify. Obviously, this episode was much more negatively themed ...than some of the previous ones. All of my episodes up to this point have been about self-improvement and how to get better. And that is something that I still 100% believe in and something that I am 100% committed to. And this situation was just an example of how quickly things can change on you on a dime. Now it turns out all these weeks later, the bank did eventually realize their error. They did refund me the money that I needed... Just took them a really long time. It's funny how they can take money from you instantly, but they send you back, you know, $1 at a time in the mail, right? Uh, For whatever reason, the technology doesn't exist in reverse. That said, everything is totally fine. This episode was not done with the intention of garnering sympathy or asking you guys to send me money. Please don't send me money. I mean, you can always sign up for my Patreon, but don't don't feel as if uh, you need to send me money in order to for things to be good. Things are good. And uh, this episode, the main intention I had with it was a way to vent that frustration in a healthy way uh, that wasn't self-destructive and just in a way that other people could relate to. And how, you know, this Lorna Shore EP, even though I came to it a year late to the party, was exactly what I needed to be hearing at that time. it was it was the thing that matched the emotion that I was feeling, the emotion that I had that was bigger than I was. That's what this record was for me. It really helped me through a tough time. And I hope that uh, I hope that your interactions as the listener with music are largely the same way. Maybe I'm a different breed of person, but in my opinion, I probably wouldn't even still be around if it wasn't for this music, and so I hope that you guys were able to get something positive out of my super negative episode. If this is your first episode of the podcast ever, my name is Daniel Terry. I did not actually properly introduce myself at the beginning of this episode, and uh, this podcast comes out every single week. It's available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, and we're starting to round out the season we've got just a few episodes left before we hit episode 20 where i'm going to take a little bit of a breather and then i'm going to come back and hit you guys hard with season two if you guys want to follow me on social media you can find me on facebook twitter instagram there's going to be links in the show notes of this episode that'll take you all those places if you haven't ever checked out lord ashore before you must have been living under a rock but make sure you check out some Lord ashore and and guys if you want to talk to me directly you can always send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com or you can hang out with me on my discord server i'll have a, a link to an invite to discord that's pretty much where i hang out i'm on the social media sometimes but uh, i kind of keep that regimented because social media is kind of an emotion drain for me sometimes so i like to hang out on discord with my friends and uh, if you're listening to this podcast i very much consider you a friend and uh, hope to see you on Discord, but if not, I will see you again next week.